0: It's another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu. Joining me today, my good friend, former Texan, Texans ambassador, and now director of player engagement, J.J. Moses, a regular on the podcast. Welcome, J.J., to your podcast.
1: Good morning, teammate. How are
0: you doing (laughs) Um, today? I'm doing great. We're teammates. We are teammates. You're working hard every day. There's no off-season for guys like you because (laughs) OTAs is a very busy time, so I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come in. I know you deal a lot with the rookies. You're out there at practice. How is that to be there from the other side?
1: It's a cool just experience because as a player, I'm used to going out and watching, you know, going out and practicing myself. And so when I'm watching guys, you know, go over the punt return drills or the kick return drills, and I'm watching DeAndre Hopkins make those one-handed catches, it brings me back to those days when we were out there practicing. But it's such a cool experience. Guys now are more talented, DP. I'm telling you, I'm watching DeAndre catch some of these one-handed ball He did make catches. some amazing catches, right? I'm like, right? goodness gracious, or I'm even watching. <laughs> You you know, Jonathan Joseph, the way he lines up and the way that he's reading the coverages. It's just so amazing to see the advancement of the game and how the players now are just playing at such a high level. And I'm like, how did I play in this game? It's almost like unreal because I'm 20 years seems like removed from the game, but it's really been just a cool experience just to go out and just really watch these guys develop and see their just roles continue to increase each and every day.
0: Is it hard for you to hold back
1: your opinions? Well, not my opinions. How about it's hard for me. Or you
0: see something and you want to say something.
1: All right, for an example, we did. I, I noticed the coaches have the players do these one type of drills where they'll make the defender miss. And so those were the drills that I would always have to compete in as far as like the return man or the receiver would try to make the linebacker or the secondary try to, you know, he'll try to make a move and make him miss. That's the drill that I lived on as a football player. Why so, that? Because it's, it was fun for me to make guys miss. that's, that's what you were that's good at, I, actually. Well, yeah. I, wasn't, I was okay. But it was one of those things where, you know, I just I want to go back there. And I'm like, man, I could do that. I want to try that. But if I was to go out there, I'd probably blow every single knee, <laughs> ligament, joint, muscle, everything would just be totally out of order. But it's a cool thing, again, because, you know, you get a chance to point out, you know, little, little pointers of what this tight end could have done or what the linebacker maybe could do differently in this coverage. So I get a, a whole new perspective of just watching these guys. And I remind you, some of these guys could be my sons. I mean, I'm almost this 38 years old. This I mean, is you crazy. Would have, you would
0: have been really young to have these kids. Yeah. But, but yeah. close. But they're, they're, they're a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you find yourself watching drills from the other position groups? I do. You know what yeah. I do
1: now? I I, I really just study because, of course, offense is always going to be in my blood, you know, playing wide receiver and, and then running back in high school. So naturally I can just go and watch the running backs and the wide receivers and like, you know, just feel like that's home. So what I always try to remind myself is go, you know, look at the office of linemen, go look at the D linemen, the linebackers, the punters, and just study what they're doing. And because I've just come to realize, even while, when I was watching weeks, he was doing his lone snapping. And I was like, that's a straight up talent to be able to lone snap that ball That fast, that quick, and sometimes you lose perspective of how talented it takes for a person to do that and uh, the guy is really talented so I, I try to study the whole entire team and, and I'll look at Centrell Henderson and say my goodness this is a tall guy right here. He is here. Humongous. humongous.
0: We were talking about him me and Mark Vandermeer. Mark said he's the size of a small building walking around
1: <laughs> inside of Energy Stadium. <laughs> he's really large. He's a, he's and you know what about Centrell he's a great guy he's a great worker each and every day he's improving and uh, he's got the experience he's been in Buffalo for I think what five or six years so we're excited for him and even that whole offensive line and, and the coaches are doing a Established job with that so I'm, I'm really just studying the whole team and it's such a great energy that you can feel around this whole entire organization and that's the exciting thing about this DB and I, I saw you at practice and you had your I'm out you there were, taking notes your, taking notes and you had your <laughs> game face on and so it was good to see you all out
0: it is it, I like OTAs because it's a chance to sort of get to know the players you know there are so many new players with free agency and the rookies you kind of see. You know, you get to know their their faces, yeah. their numbers. Some of the previous guys change numbers. That always makes me crazy. So it's a good way to sort of get to know the roster really well. And then you just watch the drills, and you sort of see, you know, how things are shaping up. At you know, as far as depth is concerned, O line obviously everybody's looking yeah. at that. But you know, I and I love watching the secondary. They were really, they're really into it. They're all really chatty. Tyron Matthew, he just fits right in. He does to Jonathan Joseph and Cream Jackson and and. That bunch is very entertaining to watch. And did
1: you watch how they were really? It was a competitive group just yesterday. Just it watching was. the 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 uh, defensive backs going against a wide receiver core. They were
0: talking a lot of trash. Oh my gosh! Was... Because I was standing right behind them, and I was cracking up <laughs> at some of the stuff that they were saying to the offense. Yeah, right. But you know they, they they it was a goal. It was a red zone. It was red zone drills. It was red zone so they drills. made a couple of big stops at the goal line. And and they showed out when they
1: did. Yeah, and that's a sign of a great team when you when you have this type of competitive edge. And what we're only in May. Right. This is not training camp. And so when you see the competitive juices of of of, of these guys and you see Jay Joe talking and you see the honey badger making plays and then of course uh the nickname he goes by the name Slick, Aaron Coving. Um Slick. See, that's his nickname I Slick. Didn't He's know got that. a cool necklace that says Slick. He says that's the name that that his high school coaches um um kind of came up with when he was in high school so he always kind of wanted to keep that high school mentality meaning it's just football so he goes by the name slick and that's his little nickname but watching number 22 and the whole secondary man and also did you see uh jermaine kelly He's our new uh, cornerback. We just drafted, uh, I think it was seventh round. He even made some great defensive plays. So, overall, this team is from top to bottom, DP. I think we're going to have an exceptional team, and I'm so excited going into training camp. I know.
0: Everybody's excited about Deshaun Watson, seeing him out there. He does a little bit of (laughs) seven-on-seven. You just want to see more and more of that. But you know what? Just – Stay healthy, get healthy. We're, we'll be ready for him week one. All right, if you're listening, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave a review. JJ, I brought you in because I really wanted to talk to you about life after the NFL. I know it's sort of hard to imagine for a lot of these rookies because they're just getting their feet wet as far as the NFL is concerned, but you are very involved in that rookie development program. You bring in a lot of speakers, and you bring in guys that played in the NFL but now have set themselves up for success afterwards. And I know Priest Holmes was in the building last week. Sure. Uh, Charlie Ward was here a few weeks ago. So he he uh, tweeted out some pictures of him with like Deshaun Watson, Jonathan Joseph, yeah. and he was really excited to get his first NFL jersey uh, with his name on it. So you bring in these guys, and, and they talk to the rookies. You know, what is it like... What do you think? I mean, I guess I'm thinking from the rookie's perspective. What is it like to see a guy come in and tell you, all right, this is what you got to be thinking about after life in the NFL. You know, how, yeah. how, do you approach, how do you approach your former teammates like Priest? Sure. And what's the big message that you want to get across? You know,
1: what I try to just show these guys is that, first of all, most of these guys that that are in our rookie group, they were not around or they don't re- really remember who a Priest Holmes was. I mean, of course, they probably know the that name, is crazy but they to don't me. know the dynamics. For an example, check this out. This is a crazy story. We were in the front lobby, and I had a group of our rookies, and I was kind of showing them some of our Pro Bowl, uh, Houston, Texas players that were a part of this team back in 2003, 2004, and of course with Andre Johnson. And to one of the rookies, I said, "Who was number 80 right here?" And he looked at it and he said, "Number 80, I don't, I don't." Uh, who was that? I was like, that's Andre Johnson. (laughs) Oh, okay, that's Andre Johnson. So, you would be amazed just as how this game continues to change. So, I intentionally brought in some some great friends of mine. And and not only friends, but these were pros on and off the football field. And they were the guys that really inspired me when I got into the NFL. And and the first guy that I brought in, like you said, was Charlie Ward. And Charlie Ward, just to give our listeners a little perspective of who Charlie Ward was, Charlie Ward was a Heisman Trophy winner at Florida State. He was legendary. He went on to do amazing things, broke all the the records at Florida State. And, And instead of going into the NFL draft, which he could have, but because of his hype, six one six, I think he's probably like one or so, they said, no, he's too short. So they were probably projecting him to go third round. He told the NFL, look, I'm not going third round if I'm a Heisman Trophy winner. If I don't go first round, I'm taking my talents to the NBA. Wow. So he ended up going to the NBA. Guess what round, D.P.? what first round oh and he played talent and that's talent and he went on to play 11 seasons I think nine and a half with the New York Knicks starting point guard then I think he probably played a season here with the Houston Rockets and I think he might have been with San Antonio but the point was is the fact that I just admired Charlie as a pro the the way that he remained humbled and he has this humility quality about himself and I think that's what our guys need to continue to remind themselves that this business if you are prideful you're arrogant at any given day your job can be replaced. So you always gotta be in that mindset of coming to work, level headed and being a pro. And Charlie Ward did an amazing job speaking to the group about that. And then the next following week we brought in Priest Holmes. So well,
0: you play you played a lot of Holmes, city.
1: And so Priest, right when I got to Kansas City, he didn't verbally tell me how to be an NFL player, but just watching him conduct himself inside the locker room, outside of the organization, just in the city I always said I want to be just like a Priest Holmes and the so way So you looked
0: at everybody in the locker room uh, and you sort of yeah. you sort of picked him out. I
1: picked him out. And he was one of those guys where whether you were a free agent or a first rounder he treated everyone just the same. He just always had that down to earth mentality and and I remember vividly just one practice we were um, getting ready for an actual game and on a Saturday morning I watched Priest walk and up, up and down this football field and he was just almost like talking to himself and I went over to Priest and I said, "What are you doing, man? What's going on?" He said, "I'm visualizing and myself making plays. That right there D. He would do that before games. Each and every game on a Saturday walkthrough. But he you know okay. once guys would go into the building, he would stick around for about an hour by himself and he would just walk up and down his football field no surprise Priest Holmes went on to break all NFL records that year. Wow. I think he had like 27 touchdowns. The next following year he broke some records and so the, the the moral of the story was I learned about the power of visualization mm-hmm. and how to visualize yourself making plays. Priest showed me how to do that. So I took that strategy. Did you do that then? And I continued to do that once I got into my career with the Houston Texans and of course the Cardinals, but I've always admired that about Priest and I and I wanted our guys to see how important it is to write their goals down to visualize things and and of course priest was real great with his finances and so we talked to our guys about finan- financial literature and and how to save money and and the do's and don'ts about you know making money and how to save money so i thought that was just a which course. is an
0: important lesson because these guys are so young
1: it's so young and then
0: all of a sudden the paychecks start coming but the yeah. paychecks end when the season's over it's so you got to sort of like a squirrel for winter sort of save up
1: That's exactly In the meantime. And he did exactly that. He never lived above his means. He was always a guy that just remained underneath the radar. And Priest was a guy that I thought would make an impact. And even the way he even uh, took care of his body as far as the nutrition of what he ate, it was just unreal at that time. So I was excited to have Priest in the building. And, um, you know, he had a chance to meet all those players. And and, uh, he spoke to the running back group. And and I know guys were very uh, excited to meet Priest.
0: Yeah, you know, he told a great story about how he arrived in Baltimore and was only supposed to – Ted Marchabrota was the yeah. coach at the time, and he told him, you are only going to play special teams this year. Wow. And he said he hadn't done that since, like, high school, I believe. High that he he, he, had not, he just played running back, but he stuck with it.
1: He stuck with it, and he went from special teams to backup, and then an, an amazing opportunity. I think he won the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. He was a backup behind – I forgot the uh, running back's name for Baltimore at the time – um uh who was the running back? I can't remember, but he was a backup so it then, wasn't Ray Rice. It wasn't no, this was, it was way before for him. The backup running back, um Jamal Lewis, I think it was. Okay. And so once Priest landed with the Kansas City Chiefs, that's when his career exploded. And now he's part of the Ring of Honors. He's got his number and, and name all on the stadium and all that type I of stuff. It. But he was just legendary. I mean, week after week, four to five touchdowns and and uh, but it, it again it brought me back to that moment when I would watch him you know walking up and down that football field and just visualize himself making plays. He was just a unique guy, and uh, he was very focused, and it wasn't a surprise that he went on to become one of the greats.
0: But so his life after NFL, he he visualized that very much the same way. It was something that he had planned while he was still in the league. He was very involved in charities and charitable work with the other players, and it was something he was sort of always thinking about, right? So how do you think he's done as far as life after the NFL? Does he go around speaking to different groups? Is that part of his – if his profession
1: he goes around and he speaks at different teams I know he does a lot with the Kansas City Chiefs they'll bring him in throughout the season and he'll talk to the rookies about you know finances and uh, how to be a pro and so he's very successful right now and I think he's living back in San Antonio so I definitely want to continue to keep up with Priest and if there's any more opportunities I want to definitely keep him involved with the team and I was it was such a cool moment because you know he wore number 31 uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs so I said man this would be cool to see Priest Holmes in a thirty-one Houston Texans jersey. So we got him at number thirty-one oh, Houston nice. Holmes jersey, and uh, I think he still's got maybe a year or two left in his body. Man, <laughs> the guy looks like he's still jacked he up He could and go out there and play. At least one down or so. I think he's got something left in the tank.
0: What did Priest think of your role now with the Texans and what you're doing? Did you guys talk about that yeah. at all about what your life is like after the NFL? Because obviously you know what he does, but yeah. you just started in your new role. What, what did what was that conversation well, like?
1: One thing that he kind of stressed to the rookies and. I I just and, and and it came from priest mouth and it really just inspired me. But he said one thing about JJ is that I've always remembered was he has energy. And you still <laughs> and, have that. And and, <laughs> and he said one thing about energy, energy creates opportunities. And and I've all and when he said that, I was like, my goodness, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. When a person has energy It does bring some form of opportunities for that particular person. And you just never know when those opportunities will take place.
0: Well, I think other people that are around you when they see that energy, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I do think people want to be around other people that are positive because it makes you a positive person. It gives you a good experience every time you interact with someone like you. You, you you walk away with a smile on your face you're, you're a little pep in your step because you're always in a good mood you know thank
1: you who wants to be around a debbie
0: downer all day right
1: <laughs> well in this business I, i've learned one thing it's you, a you,
0: hard, it's a grind it's like a it's grind. football it, this is a ama- mate it's an it's amazing to work in the nfl but yeah. it's still a grind they're long days long hours there's wins and losses there's ups and downs there's injuries so it's always nice to have someone with just sort of a positive energy no matter what's happening because you're going to need that
1: and that energy what i try to related to is just having the passion at what you do. And if you're passionate and that's one thing, one topic that I talked to our guys about and and the topic is the KLP factor and that means KLP, KLP factor and that's having the knowledge, the likability and the passion. When you have those three qualities, especially in today's workplace man, you just never know of, of the great things that will continue to unfold before you but you got to have passion for this game. you got to have passion for what you do and when you're passionate about what you do whether if you're a speaker, you're a football player you're a coach it you could just tell i remember you know talking to coach o'brien and just seeing the passion that coach o'brien has coach o'brien is the first one in the building the last one to leave it's no surprise that he's the head coach of the nfl of the houston texas he's passionate what he does and you can tell in his voice and uh, that type of passion you know carries over to his players it carries on to his staff and that's exactly what we're trying to em- em- emphasize with our guys is that our rookies that you got to have this type of passion in the workplace to succeed in this business. When
0: you were playing, did you know what you wanted to do afterwards? Because it seems like you, you seem like the type of person, <laughs> like me, you're passionate about a lot of things. Everything. So it's like, okay, so how do I – hone in on what it is that I want to do.
1: That was tough because I'm the type of guy that I can chase 20 million things. And I, I
0: agree. I'm the same.
1: And I'm like, oh, that's that. oh I, I can do that. this and I want to
0: do that yeah. and I want to do this, but then that's not sustainable.
1: You know what I had to do is I really had to get real with myself and, and discover what I was passionate about. For an example, to be honest, if you were to get me maybe with, um, you know, with real estate, of course, we all like making money. We all think that it's great to make money and it's important to make money, but I'm not passionate about flipping homes. So I had to find things that really motivates me. When I get a chance to inspire, to equip, to teach life lessons and life skills to people, to see them come up to another level, oh, I can do this all day long. So I had to really um, go down that road of saying, okay, what are the areas that I can do any, every, single, every single day and to make the most out of it and also to challenge and to inspire and to equip others. And this road that I'm in right now has led me down this, and I can just see that it's like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do at this moment of my life right now.
0: You're like me. It's like my passion is talking, so how can I <laughs> Not make money? Really. <laughs> good at talking to really great you are dp i'm great at conversations which is what this is i mean radio is just conversations interviews are really just conversations but uh you know i I, someone once told me that if if it's something that you're passionate about you'll be happy doing it even if you make no money
1: that's exactly right. so that's
0: how you sort of eliminate all the other the noise in your life and find out what's the one thing that you would do even if you made no money and you'd still be happy doing it absolutely and then if you can find a way to make money doing it
1: it That's worked. even better. An amazing thing is just like you, I mean, you got such a phenomenal story. And, and listeners, if you guys get an opportunity to hear DP's story <laughs> of how made it. Story. It's a very long story. It's <laughs> an awesome story of the fact that, you know, I believe you and your husband were at a football game. And uh, something that yeah. came up and your husband said, hey, look, you could do this. You can do this particular and I did, role, right? It and you was, didn't think so that you can do it. I, I didn't think I could do it. You didn't think you could do anything with the Texas TV. But it was one of those things. Someone saw that passion in you. They saw that in you, and eventually that passion led for led an opportunity to come your way. And here you are now doing Texas TV. So it's that's that's the model. That's the, the the life lesson about being passionate. You don't follow the money. Of course, we want things.
0: No, no, because I did a lot of stuff for free, free. which I would not recommend unless <laughs> unless you really are okay with it. that. It's going to lead to absolutely nothing. Yeah, but yeah, internships, working. I, you know, I worked at Sports Radio Six Ten. I, I was, I started from the bottom and worked my way up. There. Started
1: from the bottom, but we're here. But,
0: but I was happy to do it. I was so happy to do it. I was just happy to be in the presence of other people that enjoy doing radio because I had been doing that since I was 15. I was just so happy to... And now all those those people that are at 6'10", I work with now. You work with. And they all know me, and they know that I work hard, and that I'm passionate about it as well, so... It did work out for me, but I always find people asking me, like, how do I get into the sports? How do I get into this? How do I get into the NFL? How do I get into this business?
1: And I feel that once you're passionate about something, those opportunities will come, and then the money will come. The job descriptions will come. Those things will come, but eventually, like you said, you got to start somewhere. And a lot of times, everyone wants, well, not everyone, but there's a lot of people that we'll meet. They want to get into the sports industry, which is a cool business, but you got to work your way up the ladder. Before I even got this job with the director of player engagements for the Houston Texans, now remind you, for, on, for 10 years, I was doing work as an ambassador. That's right. And it wasn't each and every day that I was doing different appearances, but I was passionate about what I was doing. And eventually, it created an opportunity for me to land a role as a director of player engagements with the Texans. So I just think overall that if a person is passionate at what they want, continue to follow that, and eventually it will lead to an opportunity as long as you got the faith and the drive and the determination.
0: All right, got to ask you about J.J. He, uh, he's he been doing some amazing things. He got a doctor of humanities and medicine from Bay- Oh, wow, I saw that. Twitter is just—he, Twitter is just so funny sometimes. He's got a fake prescription pad and he's writing prescriptions to his teammates. Christian Covington. <laughs> to Christian Covington. <laughs> Bill O'Brien said he t- told him to take some chill pills. You know, I look at someone like JJ. Like what he could really do anything after the NFL. Sure. Because this is something he's passionate about—giving back to the community, giving back to Houston. I hope whatever he decides to do, it. he stays in Houston, does yeah. it because, uh, the, you know, he's just made such an impact just with his presence, and he's still playing football.
1: Yeah, and that's what happens when when you've created this brand about, like J.J.'s created this amazing brand, not just on the football field. We all know what he can do, but it's off the football field. So the beauty is that J.J.'s been, of course, unfortunately he's had some injuries, so he's not been able to play at that level that he knows he wants to play at. But the great thing is, his brand off the football field has went up to another level. And that's the thing about sports. That's what you want is that there's going to be times in in sports or on the football field where things might slow you down in injury. So what do you do then? then that's when your off the field kicks up. That's when your brand, that's when you're doing things out in the community and you're keeping, you're making an impact that no matter what happens in your career, you're still being um, being fruitful and, and doing big things in the community. And
0: I imagine that you want to stay positive through stuff like that. With it's injuries, yeah. it's probably tough to stay positive. But when you do something like that, it probably makes you feel good. And that's probably why he did it, had no idea that he would, Sure. you know, Get $37 million for this Harvey Relief Fund. Get the Walter Payton Man of the Year. I'm sure if anything, he would he, he just wants to be back on the field and healthy. Hopefully yeah. that pans out very
1: soon. That's right. And I hope our younger guys, they'll get an opportunity just to watch J.J. That's a huge opportunity. As, you know, yeah. Just watching how he did things and just being able to study how to be a pro. J.J.'s one of the first guys in the meeting rooms. He's always attentive. And that's what it takes to be a pro. And it's no surprise that he's continuing to be a dominant force in the NFL.
0: Two great J.J.'s in this building. <laughs> JJ Watt and JJ Moses. Well,
1: I, I got, and then you got DP Sidhu who <laughs> leads it all, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Thanks so much, JJ Moses. Always a Thank pleasure you, having you on the podcast. This is DP Sidhu. You're listening to the Deep Slant Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and go Texans.